And it wasn't until I got older that I really saw the stigma that mm. surrounds black men with therapy because I'm going, <laughs> I'm going to therapy and I'm like, you know, I, this, everybody should do this. Like, Hey, right. you should go, like, we should, I, nothing needs to be wrong, but go to it. But then in today's episode, Teresa and I speak with Mark Paison. As a young adult, Mark was overweight, lacked confidence and suffered from anxiety and depression. Listen in to hear what coping mechanisms worked for him and helped him lose over 100 pounds and start his path to a healthier and more fulfilling lifestyle. Mark's journey included being mindful of integrating strategies to improve both his physical and mental health. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Earrings Off. We want to invite you to subscribe, rate, and leave us a review. You can find us on Facebook at Earrings Off Podcast and on Instagram at The Earrings Off Podcast. Welcome to Earrings Off. I'm Lou. And I'm Teresa. Let's get started. Okay, well, we have with us today Mark Hazon. Welcome, Mark, to Earrings Off. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it, Lou. I appreciate it, Teresa. I'm looking forward to this show. Okay, so are we. So we're going to go on and jump in with the question. So, Mark, tell us, um, why has therapy therapy worked for you? It's uh, it's worked for me for, I mean, it's the, the list goes on and on. However, in, in a time in my life where the weight became too heavy, and that's whether you want to take it literally, figuratively, whatever it was, um, I need somebody to help carry that. And mm-hmm. I, I was never really good at asking for help. And so I was really good at giving help. I was amazing at that. Like mm-hmm. you asked me, <laughs> I'll give you the shirt off my back, the last dollar in my wallet. Yeah. But um, I needed someone to not only take that weight or help me take that weight, but I also needed somebody to tell me that I was worthy of other people's appreciation and support. And to get that from someone that didn't know me, that really had no idea about my past, but for someone to, to take the time to sit down, I know they're paid for it, but at the same time, they're, I mean, they're bad therapists out there. I've been to a bad therapist oh, before, yeah. Yeah. but uh, to have someone who is genuinely, you know, when you'd come back in the next session and they'd ask you about specific things in your life or people in your family or things you said you were going to do that week, like, you're like, oh, this person is invested in my life. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I needed that. I needed that. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So how do you how do you get the conversation started about your feelings? In general or with a therapist? Because I mean they're kind of the same, but yeah. um in, in general, I and I, I love answering this question because as humans, we complicate everything. We do. Mm. We complicate yes, yeah. everything. We we oh, well, I have to do this, so I have to prepare this way. And I got to make sure what if they say this and then I got to go this way. And it's like, and, yeah. and I know this as a person with high function anxiety, like I may have a smile on my face, but up top it's a storm. And mm. the way I tell people to, to start the conversation is really easy. Like we all have computers. We all have cell phones in our pockets, like a text that says, Hey, how are you doing? Like, how are you, do- how are you doing are some of the most powerful words we have. And we use them so nonchalantly and we respond to them so nonchalantly. Mm. 
And I, I see this every day where you come in and work on a Monday morning and you can, you can tell someone is just not there and Hey, how are you doing? Yeah. Hey, I'm just, just living life, living the dream. It's like, yeah, you, you're not, you're not, right, let's, right. <laughs> let, yeah. let's talk. And, but I also say this, like people believe that conversations start with words and with your mouth and no conversations start with your ears and they start with you paying attention to cues that your people are given. And especially men, men, we, women are great. Most of the time with coming out and saying, you would not believe what happened. I feel this way. They did this. And, and guys mm -hmm. will do like, oh man, mm -hmm. what a day. And mm -hmm. we'll leave it at that. And it's right. like, and now, it's up, now it's up to me to pick up on those cues, to pause the TV, to put down the phone and say, hey, what's going on? Let's talk. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So Mark, how do you stay motivated though? With so many different roles and things you have going on, how do you stay motivated? Uh, the simple answer is I don't, I do not stay motivated. I have discipline now. And I had to learn that at a later age. Like I learned that later than most. And, and I say this to people all the time is like, if you're looking for motivation to continually work on yourself and, and make progress, you're probably going to get let down. Cause there's going to be those days you don't get enough sleep. There's days where you don't have the money in your bank account. There's mm -hmm. days where the kid, the kids got you, you got to, and you're not going to be motivated. It, it, that's just us. You're not mm -hmm. going to be motivated. However, if you understand, and here's a perfect example, if, you're, if you want to be motivated to get in shape, like, and you say to yourself, I want to get to the gym four times a week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and once on the weekend. And you, the first week, you feel pretty good. That's, that, mm -hmm. that weekend, you're like, ah, oh, man, the game's going to come on, but, but you get through it. Second week, you may go twice. By the third week, you're looking for that motivation. You're looking for it because you haven't seen a change in your body. You're not going to mm -hmm. see. But if you continue to understand, if I stick with this plan, if I'm disciplined enough, then I will see changes. I think people get lost in trying to find the motivation. Instead, they should be working on the discipline part of it. Mm -hmm. The commitment piece. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Mot motivation mm -hmm. and commitment don't always go hand in hand. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So um, tell us a little bit about how often you work on your own mental and physical health. Every day. Every I, day. I do, I do it every, every day. day. Um, so physical health, I try to do something daily. Like I try mm -hmm. to get to the gym early. I try to go for a walk or go for a run. I try to do that daily. The days I don't are usually the days that I'm doing something physical activity, either coaching my daughters or refereeing soccer games or something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, but what I do is that I, I know that I am a better person for the world. Once I've done that, mm -hmm. if there is a day and, and there has been a couple days in the past few months where I found myself just needing to just to bum it out. I have, I, I, and, and I needed that recovery. And I, I, I explained that to myself and I was nice to myself. And, and I said, Mark, you need this, even though. In the back of my head, I'm like, I could just get to the gym for 30 minutes. I could just go for a run real quick. But my body is like, you need to stop. Like, you, mm -hmm. you, you need to stop and chill out. And then on the mental side of it, what I've done is, is I use, if I go to the gym, I use that as my stress relief. Like yeah. everything that's piling up on me, yeah. I make sure I get it out so I can be a calm, cool, collective father. My girls are nine and seven. So you can imagine <laughs> just the, <laughs> yeah. I mean, they're beautiful and they're yeah. smart and they're rambunctious. 
but sometimes they're not great listeners, but um, <laughs> it, it is what it is, you know, but I love yeah. them to death. And, but I, but I know that for me to be the best version of myself, I have to have that stress relief. And then, you know, I, I make some time throughout the day where I just shut everything down five, 10 minutes and I just take in the world for a second. It might be right outside my window. I can go for a walk around the neighborhood, but sometimes it's just, I just sit in my own life for a second and just notice how grateful I am, how blessed I am. And, and that kind of regenerates everything I need. That, mm -hmm. that will definitely do it, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. So yeah. yeah, being grateful mm -hmm. and sadness. I think I heard someone say this, they can't exist in the same, same mm -hmm. space. Yeah. You know. Well, that, and that is, I want to say something to that too, though. Um, you know, just, you know, if they one with the other, you have, I think you have to be intentional on how you react or how you respond to both of them. Cause a lot of people will be grateful and they'll be like, yes, I am grateful. I feel good right now, but then they'll be sad and they'll say to themselves, I shouldn't feel sad. Like I, I, this needs to go away. Like the same intent, like you have to validate both of those feelings. Like you're Absolutely. allowed, you're allowed to be both of those things mm -hmm. and people don't want to be sad, but they want to be grateful. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. But I don't, I, I, I mean, you know, I, I kind of took it, I took that really at the, at face value. Like mm -hmm. I have literally tried to be, I tried it. Like, can mm -hmm. I be down about something and grateful right. at the same, same time? And it's I couldn't tough. do it. It's I tough. could not do it. So yeah. You know, mm -hmm. if you really have a true gratitude practice, if you mm -hmm. really look at those things, like I'm so grateful for and whatever yes. that is. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I think it's, I think it's really hard um, to, at the same time, be sad. So Mark, tell us, how do you control your ADHD? Oh, good one. So um, backstory on that, I, and I've said, <laughs> I, I, I love my mom. She passed a couple of years ago and, and she is, she was an amazing woman. And, um, but for the men and women who are listening, who have a black mother, when, uh, when I was younger and a teacher said, Hey, you might want to have Mark checked out for ADD, ADHD. And, you know, the black mother was like, no, nah, none's wrong. With my baby. <laughs> yeah. He, yeah. He yeah. just, he just needs to apply himself. <laughs> Yeah. Like, and so the whole time growing up, um, I, it, it was difficult for me to continually focus on something. It was difficult for me to, I mean, I was a hyperactive kid. I was off the wall. I, and then I would just crash. And, and I mean, I, I wasn't bad and it wasn't terrible. It would just, it, there was just concepts I did not get. I, I didn't like to talk about it with my parents. I didn't like to talk about it with anybody else. I just figured I'll just get through it some way, mm -hmm. somehow. And I mean, I got to adulthood. I got to my jobs, my, my, my marriage, my, I got all that stuff. And, you know, I started working at a startup company and everything was going a million miles a minute. We had so many projects. I was working on so many things. I was working 12, 14 hour days and I finally said, I, there's, I feel like I get through an entire day and I get nothing done. I feel like mm. I've touched this, I've touched that, I've touched this and nothing is getting complete. Mm -hmm. Nothing is, is, is I'm, I'm just not, I can't, I can't focus on one thing. And I had been talking to a therapist about just 
the job and the stress and all that stuff for a while. And finally, she says, you know, you really need to talk to your healthcare provider, your doctor about, you know, ADHD and, and, you know, it could, you, you never know. And I had, again, had the conversation, had teachers say I should, you know, possibly be on medication when I was younger. And I kind of put that to the back of my mind and I went and talked to him and it was really good because he was a doctor that he told me straight up. He's like, when this, when the medications came out, I wasn't a big proponent. I just mm -hmm. thought kids just needed to apply themselves and work harder. And I'm like, I've heard this story before. Mm -hmm. And he said, but now I see the changes that it makes in some people's lives. And I've seen C plus kids go to A plus kids. And it's all about the brain function and how they focus and, and what they can focus on. And he said, but if you are anxious, this may add to more anxiety. So please start mm -hmm. on the medication and let me know if you are focused, but still more anxious. However, about six or 7% of people who take Adderall, which I take, get better with anxiety. Hmm. The, first, the first pill I took, within two hours, all of my anxiety was gone. And I was able to focus at work. Mm -hmm. And I say it like this. It was like the whole time at, at my job and in my life and trying to do hard, I had this little fog over me. I, had, I could see and I could navigate, but still everything was kind of blurry. And the moment I started taking it, everything kind of cleared up and brightened up and I was able to focus. And it's, it's a feeling that I've never, ever had in my life. And so now I'm on a small daily dose and it, it helps me to concentrate. It helps me to focus. I'm not a different person, um, but it, it's, it, it really helped me in, in my journey. Mm -hmm. Okay. Wow. That's good. Yeah. yeah. So I want to talk a little bit about uh, counseling, right? Mm -hmm. So as a black man, often, you know, counseling is frowned upon in the community, right? Yes. So what did that journey look like for you? At, I was, I was blessed and I don't know where this came from. I am overly empathetic and uh -huh. I've been like that since I was a child. And I remember in middle school, there was this program that allowed seventh and eighth graders, because it was six, seventh, eighth, seventh, eighth graders to be quote unquote, like student counselors. Mm -hmm. And we would meet, we, we, we had to put our names in, we had to get chosen. And the, 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 the counselor of the school would talk to us. And, and I was chosen as like one of eight kids. Mm -hmm. And that kind of really, it, and I remember we had a, a young lady in our school whose father was killed in an accident and they needed grief counselors and people needed, you know, kids needed people to talk to. And that's when they called us in and I was able to have people talk to me about their feelings. And I felt so comfortable in that position, you know, 12, 13 mm. years old or 11, 12 years old, I should say. And from that moment on, I kind of love the idea of therapy, of people listening and helping. I didn't really think about, was I a black man who had feelings or needed therapy? I just thought like, Hey, somebody needs help. We need mm -hmm. to help them. And it wasn't until I got older that I really saw the stigma that mm. surrounds black men with therapy because I'm going, <laughs> I'm going to therapy and I'm like, mm. you know, I, this, everybody should do this. Like, Hey, right. you should go like, we should, I, nothing needs to be wrong, but go to it. But then as 
you know, black people, we know this as, you know, we, we might be a little naive as, as children, but once we see the world and we go to college and we get mm -hmm. older and we see the discrepancy in income and mm -hmm. pay and we go to the neighborhoods that we say, Hey, this, why is this neighborhood next to this neighborhood? Right. But this is a different zip code. They got different right. schools and they got like, you start seeing the world. Yeah. Yeah. And then you start to realize that in the black community, the the responsibility and of the black man and the worth of the black man is basically built upon what has he given society? What can you do for me? That will be how I rate you as a black man. And I'm like, man, that is so tough. Mm -hmm. And no point can he say, I'm tired. Mm -hmm. I'm weak. I need help. Because right. once he does that, his value goes down. Right. And I started seeing that. And I'm like, wait, like, that's not fair. That is not fair. That's not in, uh, in, you know, fair is not, we understand we all have fair is a, it, it can be, you know, relative. I understand that. But like when it comes to being equitable and equality, it's like, you're worth more than that. You're worth more than what you give. So that's why I talk about it. So people are always like, Mark, why do you talk about this? All we get it. You talk about mental health. All like, but yes, I'm six foot five and 235 pounds, a black man. If people see me doing it, yeah, they'll say, Oh, yeah. Okay, maybe I can do it. Right, right. That is so true. Yeah, that, that's powerful. But Mark, you mentioned anxiety. But so when did you first start noticing you were experiencing anxiety? Was there an aha moment? Did something happen that you can share? Yeah. So, you know, looking back on my childhood, I just thought it was normal. I thought it was normal. You know, I played sports as a child and, yeah. and you know, went to went to school and played on club teams. And I always figured these thoughts in my head were just normal. Like everyone constantly thinks about the worst possible outcome for every situation that they're in. Like I, I played mm -hmm. soccer and basketball, went to school, you know, I, you know, dated girls and I'm thinking, okay, today is going to be the day she breaks up with me. Today is going to be the day I lose my starting position. Today is going to be the day that mm -hmm. I don't score the, you know, I always, and then I'll, on top of that, I'd say, well, when that bad thing happens, this is what I'm going to say. Or when this thing that I want doesn't come to fruition, I'm going to respond this way. And a lot of people, I'm, I'm naturally quick-witted. It's mm -hmm. because I've thought about every response in my head already. I've oh literally walked through yeah. it. And so that is exhausting. It is absolutely Dead. exhausting. Yeah. And, um, you know, the first time I heard the word anxiety said to me was in my 30s in a therapy session. And it's a, it's a, it's a therapist that I had been to in, in Virginia and we were going through a second round. I'd been through a couple of years and, and I'd taken the time off and we'd come back just life happens. And he said to me, yeah, you, you're, you're suffering from high functioning anxiety. And I was like, what? No, no, this is, everybody does this. <laughs> and he had to tell me, he's like, no everybody's brain doesn't work this way. Yes. People want to prepare their fight or flight and, and you know, things yeah. happen where people, right. but to constantly do it every day from the minute you wake up to the minute. And I'm going to tell you right now, I'll tell you, listen, is like me rescheduling this with you because I had a conflict 
like I'm thinking, okay, they're not going to want me on the show. They're going to say, why would you do this to us? Like you, this is not professional. You don't act this way. And I literally have to calm myself down when I have to give people like rescheduling is not bad news, no, but in my, no. in my head, I'm like, God, they're going to think less of me because of me rescheduling. And I know it's not, tr- listen, I know it's not true, but in my head, it's like, what if it is true? And then they're going to tell the world how Mark Kazan is a fake and how he doesn't care and how he lets people down. And it's like, Mark, just chill. <laughs> just chill. Like I have to tell myself that often. So looking back at my childhood, there was never a moment where I thought, oh, I'm anxious or I have anxiety. Mm-hmm. I thought it was normal. And it wasn't until my mm-hmm. mid to late 30s when someone said the word out loud to me in a therapy session that I finally realized this is what I have. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. That's, that's interesting. Wow. So you are a husband and father to two daughters, yet you are a proponent, a proponent of putting yourself first. Mm -hmm. What do you do specifically that holds true to that goal of putting yourself first? And why is that important? Before I got married and and in my, my twenties, I was, I was overweight probably, probably pre-diabetic. I'm, I'm almost mm. willing to bet that now. Um, blood pressure was a little high. I, I was on my way to an early death. I was going to eat my way, eat my, eat myself to death. And the one thing, well, there's many things, but one of the biggest things that, that told me to get shape was the fact that I wanted to have kids. I wanted to have kids and not just have them. I wanted to raise them. I wanted to play yeah. with them. I wanted to be around for them. And like I said, I'm always, I've always been a giver. I will give my time, give my support, give everything. But what I wouldn't do is I wouldn't give that same to myself. Mm-hmm. And I finally realized that, hey, you know, self-care is not selfish. It is not selfish. And I never, that had to be, that had to be told to me so many times. Like, Mark, take care of yourself. It's okay. It's a, Mark, take time for yourself. It's okay. No, no, this person needs this. They need my time. I got to do this for work and blah, blah, blah. And, and finally, I realized that being the best version of myself means that I take time to go to the gym or go for a run. I take time to meal prep. I take time out of my day to get some sunshine and relax. And that meant that when I was taking care of myself, I'd be a better father, husband, friend, son, uncle, you know, all that stuff. And it's, I understand that people may be listening or, or, and say, well, cause I just had this conversation with a good buddy a few months ago where, you know, he called me and, and he was a little upset about some things that were happening at the house and he's a giver too. And mm-hmm. I said, man, like, what have you done for yourself? How have you taken care of no, 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 no. I, I have to, I have to give all the time. I, that's my job as a black, I, I have to give. And it's like, you know what? You called me like, <laughs> and, and, yeah. and I, I want to help. However, I, I don't know what the point of, like, if you just want me to listen, like I will listen, I will do it. I'm cool with that. But if you say, Mark, what can I do? And my question to you is what have you done for yourself? And your answer is, oh, I'm not going to do anything for myself. 
then maybe you need to reframe your thoughts on how you take care of yourself so you can be available for others. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Nice answer. Yeah. And Mark, yeah, like that's, that. a, that's a powerful, you it are, uh, what you're doing is um, role modeling that for your daughters. And uh, that's powerful. I mean, it really is. Yeah, I'm I'm trying my best because I listen, we're we've all been young and, and we know what it's like to grow up. And we're none of us are ignorant to the fact that what they go through is going to be different than when, what I went through yeah. and, and what yeah. we went through. like. I know that. And to be, you know, to, you know, women of color growing up in the society, there's going to be things that that's going to be different for them. Yeah. But yeah. what I want them to know is that they have the power. Like, don't yeah. let anyone take that energy, take that power. It, you know, you see daddy taking time for himself. Yeah. You see mommy, like you have the power. Yeah. Yeah. That's wonderful. Awesome. Yeah. Mark, those are all of the questions that we have for you today. But um, do you have any parting words or something you want to share with our audience? Yeah. And I, I always like to just to leave with this. And, and I have people always just think about all the things that are important to them, whether that be their family, their job, their hobbies, their friends, anything that they feel is important. And think about what's the common denominator to all of that. And it's you. It's literally you. Mm -hmm. So if you want to be the best player, the best educator, the best leader, the best husband, the best, best father, but whatever you want, because those things are important to you, you have to be the best version of yourself too. And that's, that means you take care of yourself. There's nothing selfish about that. So, and people can learn, you know, more about me and more about what I do on, on Instagram at, you know, either relatively normal podcast for my podcast or pays on underscore fitness is where I kind of do some personal training and people can see my fitness journey because I don't think a life is worth living if I'm not helping others do the same thing. Like, I don't mm -hmm. think there's no purpose for me if I keep it all bottled in and keep the secrets and no, mm -hmm. let's do this together. I'd, ra I'd, I'd rather fail as a team than succeed as an individual. So mm -hmm. that's it. All right. Wow. Well, Mark, thank you so much for joining us here at uh, Earrings Off. You shared a lot of great information which we know will be of value to our listeners. So again, many thanks. And it was certainly nice to meet you. Take good Thank you care. very much. I had, a, I had a great time. Thank you. All right.